taught tonight. One thing, just real quickly, to kind of follow up with what Joe mentioned to you about uh, Doug George, Miss Cletus' husband, who um, was uh, passed into eternity last Thursday. We're going to have a memorial service this Saturday at 11 a.m. right here at First Assembly for Doug, a memorial service. And we are going to provide a meal for the family, about 30 members of their family afterward, and kind of let them have the Family Life Center for the afternoon as they see fit and need to visit and everything. So I had Lexi prepare for us, just if you would like to, some of you are going to uh, intend to bring a, a, a dish to help us out. You can put your name in the food or the dessert that you might bring. Sister Jill has always volunteered to come in and help on Saturday. Um, she might could use some help if she would. Make sure you see her and let her know you'd be able to be here. Um, not a big, big family, but uh, they just don't have room, and it's a great way for us to show Cleta and her family the love of the Lord. So I'll just, uh, I'll put that right here for right after service, just so I won't forget, and you can see it, because if I, sometimes we forget about things on the, uh, the foyer table, right? Lexi was talking about that today, and of how we miss things, and I told her, I said, because it for sign-ups and things like that, uh, pictures. Two people went and got their picture taken on Sunday um, in, in the coffee area there. And I told them the reason why is I said, after a dynamic message by Pastor Brown, they're not thinking about taking their picture like that. <laughs> so we do often misplace things that we have good intentions. So that's there, visible, you'll see it. Uh, I'll also put it on the phone tree tomorrow, and then people that can call the church, and uh, Lexi's going to be out tomorrow, and so there'll be two or three of us around here, but we'll be doing other things as well, so if you miss the, uh, the phone, okay, we'll try to catch it. I make no promises. <laughs> She'll be back on Friday, so uh, we'll make sure that, it, you know, that people could sign up to help us on Friday. I want to talk to you about tonight something that some of you in this room know quite a bit about. Others of you know a little bit about, and some of you ain't got a clue about what I'm talking about. I wore green tonight because we're going to talk about money. <laughs> Uh-oh. Somebody get the silver hubcaps. Get it while the getting's good. We're not really necessarily going to talk about money, but we're in the purple book, and we're on our lesson that deals with generosity but it's not just, it's biblical prosperity and generosity, it's number 10, okay? So if you've got your book there, I want to take a moment of time to kind of appreciate this lesson. We've been in some dynamic lessons on, on faith and healing. You know, I, I can't say that we won't wrap around and pick up some of those subject matters when we kind of complete this study. But let me take you into just a moment, just real quickly, as we kind of begin to look at where we're going to go with this. Um, th this is a big part of your Christian walk. I mean, let's just be honest. The way you handle your resources will speak favorably or unfavorably of your character, of your Christian discipline, right? Let's be honest. It, it's going to affect generations to come in your life if you mishandle resources continually in your lifetime. I'm not saying that every one of us in here, um, certainly there are those that have handled resources well, 
but probably at some point in time in their life, they had some trouble, and they, but they got it together. I'll tell you, God blesses people who get it together and, and stop making excuses and, and start moving His direction, start doing it His way. You can fight against God. Did you know that? You can fight, and, and you can try to swim upstream. It's far better to go with the flow, come on, than it is to push against the Lord. And, you know, you got to think about this for a moment because you can look at, you can, you know, some of the principles that we teach in the church, the giving, tithing, various things, which that's not part of tonight's lesson. That's kind of lessons a little bit later here. You can look at people that aren't saved, and you can sometimes they have, you know, they, they have, uh, you say, well, man, look how blessed they are, whatever that might be the case. But see, God deals with us differently. Remember what God told Israel, ancient Israel, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 11? And it's kind of a little picture of our lives for just a moment because he said, the land of Israel that you're going to, he said, the land, he said, my eye's always on that land. How many know God's eye's always on you? And he told Israel, he said, the land that you're going to is not like the land that you came out of. He said, where you came out of, you could water your plants by, uh, by irrigation. They were in Egypt, so they were against the Nile River, and so there was a lot of marshes and stuff they could pull water from to irrigate their crops. He said, the land that you're going to is a land of hills and valleys. How I many know that sounds like my life, right? It's hills and valleys. And he said, it's dependent upon what? The rain of heaven. The rain of heaven. How many of you know that the blessing of God, your life is dependent upon the blessing of God? I was telling someone earlier this week, I said, Jesus said, abide in the vine, abide in me. He said, you can't do anything. There's no, there's, there's, in us, in our flesh, there is no good thing. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how gifted you are. If you're a child of God, goodness flows from God, right? He gives us, one of the things we'll learn at a little bit later, it's God that gives us the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant in the earth, is what he told Israel. It's God that gives us the ability to have insight and wisdom and do things well and make good decisions. And so, as we get into this, I want you to see for just a moment of time, this is important to talk about. And I know it's not as exciting as talking about some of the other things. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about dynamic faith and mountain-moving faith. I guarantee you, though, there have been times that whatever level of faith that you had inside your spirit, you were attempting to muster it up so that you would exercise it as it related to something financial in your life. Right? Remember, I told you a few weeks ago that I was visiting with someone that, that gave me a, a, a stat that was found from the Christian community that the two things most prayed for in the life of a believer are health and finances. So it would behoove us to be good stewards, wouldn't it? It would behoove us to say, I want to study. So let's take a moment of time just real quickly, and let's put down at least the four subject matters that we're going to talk about. The reason why I want to do so is because as you're in lesson number one, we won't have the tendency to jump ahead and get some of these. Because when you think about resources, oftentimes we think about some of the things that we're going to talk about in the latter couple of weeks. So the first one that we're going to talk about tonight are the dangers associated with wealth. Right, and we won't spend all of our time, uh, devol- or, or, you know, uh, delving into that. But there's a little bit we're going to certainly highlight. And then number two, the second week, we're going to talk about biblical principles of prosperity. So we're going to talk about that 
a little bit. So you got to, uh, to a certain degree, you've got to refrain from getting into that. Many times when you think about giving and things associated to it in the kingdom of God, we jump immediately to that, and that's not what we're at. We're at tonight. Number three, we'll be putting God first. <laughs> right? How many of you know that's a learning lesson? In our lives, that's why in the in the old in the in the in the old covenant they called it the first fruits, didn't they? Who was to receive the first fruits? Who was, who was? God? If you're not careful, your tendencies are to save God the last fruits, right? The last. What's the leftovers? God don't doesn't like leftovers, <laughs> right? God God is a great God. He deserves to be honored with our very best. So that's the principle we'll talk about. And number four is extreme generosity. So that, that'll be an exciting, these are exciting lessons. I'm just putting this down here so, so that tonight you won't have the tendency to jump into these subject matters immediately, but we'll kind of be able to focus and uh, just kind of, kind of you know, go around this thought here that we'll see in, the, in lesson number one. I got a few questions before we get into the lesson that I just want to put out there and kind of get a stimulus of thought. Number one, does the Bible speak favorably or negatively of wealth? <laughs> Both. Good. So you're right. If you said negatively, <laughs> then you're right. If you said... <laughs> Everybody gets an A today, so nobody's name's gone on the board. The Bible speaks both favorably and negatively, it does. It warns us of the dangers associated with one of the most misquoted scriptures in all the Word of God is that, uh, that money is the root of all evil, because that's not correct, is it? What is it? The love of money. But at the same time, that's a warning, isn't it? That's a warning by the Apostle Paul to Timothy that is teaching us, many, he said, many are led astray as a result of it. Um, so so that's, that's a, that, that question is, yes, it speaks both. Do you trust the Scriptures? I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can learn about resources. A lot of tools available to us today, aren't there? You can go to any bookstore. You can get online. You can take uh, classes at universities. And, and I believe in all of our getting, we should get understanding. And we should strive to know and learn about economics and financial resources. But here's the way uh, to get us on this, uh, to stimulate our thoughts. I wrote it this way. But do you trust the Scriptures to be the first level of teaching and understanding related to wealth? Now, the Scriptures aren't going to teach you everything related to wealth in our economy today. Again, we know that many ways that they practiced you know, there were resources, there were trading. Sometimes there was not even currency in some of the economies. And so we know there's, I mean, they didn't have stock. Stock market in that day was the sheep, right? It was like the homes of your family over here. That's what the stock market was. So, so you're not going to get everything, but, that, but you gain the principles that you will then carry into the rest of your learning as you said about real estate market or whatever it is the business world that you might be in, you know, strive to learn it. Get to know it. Develop it. Let, learn to let money work for you instead of you working for money. Right? That's a, that's a learning principle. Uh, number three, does considering the dangers of wealth give balance to a biblical doctrine, to this biblical doctrine related to money? So tonight we're considering the dangers of wealth. Most of the time, now think about this. Think about where we have gone with this in the 
the, the church world. Many long years ago, all things related to money was to one degree almost taught as evil. You, if you were, I, I think I wrote it this way. Let me see. I'm going to see if I can get it. Um, see if I can get it just right. And maybe, maybe it was on another page that I wrote that down. I don't want to misplace that thought. But if you were poor, you were somehow holy. If you were wealthy, you were somehow evil. Right? We've almost swung the pendulum to the other side now in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. If you're not blessed and functioning at a certain level financially, then we almost demean you, belittle you. I mean, no, that's in error as bad as the other was, right? The Scripture still says that God has promised some good things for the poor, right? And I've taught it this way previously. To be poor is not... um, you know, uh, certainly it's, it's not a negative in the sense of biblically. To be impoverished, I believe is. I mean, it's not the will of God for you to be impoverished. I believe that with all of my heart. You can, if I define poor, I may not have a lot of resources, but the Bible says you can be poor in this earth's wealth, but be rich in spiritual blessings, right? So wealth is not always measured out in economic principles in that sense. So I just wanted to kind of toss that out. Does considering the dangers of wealth give balance to this biblical doctrine associated with money? I think it does, don't you? I think you have to consider. I, I commend the authors rather than the, of, of the Purple Book who have su- set out to teach biblical principles related to money rather than just taking us right into sowing and reaping, right into, without taking us right into giving and stewardship. They took us into, wait a minute, Let's be cautious. Good men, good godly folks have been led astray in their pursuit of wealth. And the enemy has used that to get a stronghold and lead people down a wrong road, so to speak. Scripture warns of greed, unlawful gain, unjust balances, laziness, slothfulness, discord, lust, And all of those can lead to poverty. So I wrote another question. Can we manage wealth for our own good and for the good of others and for God's glory? Can we? I think we can, don't you? I think we should look at it. I want to handle resources for my own good. I do. I I, I don't want to starve. (laughs) Hello, somebody, right? One preacher said, not this, I shouldn't say this, but he said, one preacher said, I've been poor, and he said, and I've been slightly wealthy. And he said, slightly wealthy is much better. <laughs> so with that, again, we can manage it. If, if we're going to evangelize the world, if we're going to send missionaries to every tribe and every nation, then we've got to have some resources in our hands to do it. God forbid that only the drug pushers have any money. God forbid that only the folks building casinos have any money, right? I, I, I believe in wacky things, crazy things. I believe in the transition of the wealth of the unrighteous for the righteous. I believe God can do crazy things for His own glory and for the good of the people of God. Certainly, we're going to have to learn that God puts abundant resources in the heart of people or in the hands of people that are abundantly generous, right? And we will get to there. 
eventually in this study. That's going to be exciting for us to consider. Being in poverty does not indicate piety, and neither does prosperity. I think that's a fair statement. What can you and I do to guard against the dangers of wealth? Well, one thing you can do is come to church on a Wednesday night, and you did. So God bless you for being here tonight. Amen? So let's start talking about the dangers of wealth. We're going to look at some scriptures. And, you know, I don't know if Jojo, he's not in the purple book, so I don't know if he really knew where we were going to be when he talked about that sometimes the scripture will speak to you very directionally and correctionally, right? And I think God does in his word related to the subject that we're talking about tonight. I know I've, there have been times in my life that I have mishandled the resources that God committed to me. And it smote me, and my heart was grieved, and I've had to repent before the Lord. And, and, and yet at the same time, once you repent, you want to change your mind, and you want to learn from that, don't you? So that you can take that life lesson, and the next time that you're in a similar situation, you're going to make a better decision than you made previously, correct? Now, let's just go, as we, as we kind of evolve this in, in lesson one of the dangers of wealth, You've got your lesson guide there tonight, and I'm going to take you into a few things that are not in the lesson guide that's going to be kind of funny, but we're just going to walk it down. They're not funny, but fun to talk about. The dangers of wealth. That's the subject matter. So just remember the the dangers of it. Most of us in our personal prayer time, we pray for blessing. (laughs) Don't you? If you don't, please start. I mean, I want to be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the storehouse, the field, the basket. The Bible says whatever David put his hand to do, God blessed, right? Whatever job you had, how many of you know you wanted the favor of God upon it, right? Resources, financial. I mean, that's a prayer. We stimulate that prayer, correct? Most of the time, we have probably failed in our prayer to balance that with praying, say, but God, give me wisdom, give me discretion, give me caution related, and let me not be led astray by the lust of other things entering in. The first place that he took us to was in the parable of the sower. Does anybody remember the parable of the sower when Jesus taught the agriculturally minded Israelites that the heart of a disciple could be akin to the soil which they sowed their seed, and the sower would go forth and sow the seed. Remember, there are four different soils. Certainly, we want to be good ground, don't we? But he shared with one that was on stony ground, and uh, the cares of this world, you know, or excuse me, thorny ground, were the cares of this world. Look, look what, I, and the deceitfulness of what? What does it say? The deceitfulness of, let's put it down, riches. Riches. Can riches be deceitful? Right? Man, but every one of us have felt that sting, correct? Every one of us have felt that pull just a little bit. And you have to learn to balance it because you want to be somebody who achieves, don't you? Right? Again, you want to be somebody that can be labeled successful in your field, whatever your career is. Or if you have a job, I believe that you should work hard at whatever job you have. I don't care whether it may be uh, minuscule to you. And you may think, well, this is not my end. It may be your end if you don't do it with your best effort, right? If you do it with your best effort, God can favor you and bless you, and, and you can and move forward with it. 
And so we got to learn that the Scripture teaches in this principle here that riches in our pursuit, we have to be very careful because they can be deceitful is the context. That, what does that mean they can be deceitful? Anybody? What might seem good? I'm going to put it. What, billy, 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 Billy. I know. That's the problem. Where's my new pens at? <laughs> now, what did you say, Sister Joe? It might seem good. Yeah, it seemed good. And there's actually a proverb, isn't it? There's a thing, a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Many of us have probably journeyed along some type of financial adventure at some time in our life, thinking that as we got on this road, even may have been born-again believer, and we were zealous, and we were pursuing it with all passion, only to discover that it did not lead us in the will of God for our life. And we got into error, we got into you know, we lost some fervency. You have to guard yourself. The scriptures are teaching us to guard yourself. So it seems right. So it's, that means it's deceitful. Let, let's consider for just a moment. In the garden, let's go back to the garden. Deceit speaks of deception. Think about for just a moment of time, Eve. We've talked about this so many times, but it, it's so, it, it needs to be repeated. Eve saw something that previously in her mind uh, she had always saw it as that it was sinful. She didn't know what sin was. She just knew that God said, you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, correct? But when deceit, when the enemy deceived her mind, then the thing that she used to see as death, she now saw it as pleasant to the eyes to make her wise, a tree to be desired. There seems to be something tied to riches, some type of spirit, doesn't there? Which, which, again, we have, to, we have to maintain the balance of this. We all need wealth at some level. Correct? We all need. You needed gas to put in your car. You needed money to buy food and clothes to wear. So, so wealth in and of itself, resources are not evil. The mismanagement of it, the wrong purpose and motive, being deceived by it until you are alienated from your family, until you are led astray in lustful and sinful situations. One of the greatest things that we need in this journey is we need, this is not in the notes, but I'll just, is contentment, right? Paul said this, he said, in whatever situation, does that say contentment? That is a terrible end, isn't it? Right there. Paul said, in whatever state that I'm in, I have learned to be contented, right? I mean, no, that's something that we all can still struggle with. And when you see somebody else have, and you do not, then if you're not careful, in the old covenant under the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, they said, thou shalt not lust. After thy neighbors, right, on down the line it went, thou shalt not covet. After, covetousness is in contrast to contentment. Covetousness is a constant pursuit. I want what you got. I've got to have it now. And contentment says, I just thank God. I thank God for whatever he's given me. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. I'm not saying we shouldn't dream. It's okay. It's, it's okay to dream. But every dream still needs to be checked 
in the blessing and the will of God. Anybody want to comment? Make yes. That's right. That's exactly right. And you think about Jesus for just a moment of time. The Bible says, He that was rich became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. We look at the life of Jesus for just a moment of time. And Jesus said that the foxes of the, uh, excuse me, birds of the air have their nests, and the fowl have their, or excuse me, the foxes have their holes, the fowl have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But at the same time, as resources started coming into their ministry, they had a treasury, and they helped the poor. They began to manage their resources. He put Judas in charge. <laughs> it was just kind of a contrast right there. <laughs> Nonetheless, well, yeah, <laughs> no, we won't say that. But, <laughs> but you can just see, though, even all the way in the life of Jesus that so we think about in fulfilling the will of God for his life, he was handling resources. He was taking the resources that people were giving, and they were using it for other, for, to ministry. Other people were giving into his ministry. So uh, handling money is a part of life. It's how you handle money. Right? And what you allow it to do to you. At the end of the day, let me tell you, you know what it is? It's a piece of paper. In our American economy, when you have that hundred or that $20 bill in your hand, you know what it means? It says you owe the federal government $20. It's a promissory note. So you really don't have anything in the, in the beginning. What we need is faith. If we have faith, then we have all we need to believe God. And to trust God for his provision in our lives. But the deceitfulness of riches, he takes us there. Jesus warns us. What are some ways that people are deceived by wealth? Number two, I'm going to get to where I'm going, and I'm going to read through some of these rather quickly. I wrote down the lie that wealth satisfies. That just having wealth. Now, let's be honest. If you have resources at some level, there is a thankfulness in your, mind, in your heart and mind if you're, if you're truly humble before God. And you're grateful that when you are going about something that you've got enough. You know, I've told the story. Y'all remember my story of where something snapped inside of me at, at, as JoJo says, steal your dollar city. Long years ago when I was the pastor of Maranatha Assembly and I was in line in the snow cone line with my children, you know, just thinking about how long I was still going to be at Silver Dollar City that day, going back, six kids, trying to factor whether or not I had enough resources, and something just kind of snapped inside my soul that day. And I went home back to the church, and I got alone with God, and I began to pray, and I said, God, this is not right. I said, it's not right that someone that preaches your word and put his faith and trust, and I had to, I had to have a breaking moment in my life, right? But I also had to learn to handle resources that God was going to bring into my life. You know what I found out about money, about handling money? All you got to do is add another zero. That's all it is. From $10 to $100 to $1,000 to $10,000 to $100,000. Hello? Right? It's just a zero at the end. If you can be faithful in little, right? Come on now. If you can be faithful in little, you can be faithful in much. But you got to be faithful in little before he'll trust you with much. The deceitfulness of riches can come in and choke the word, it says. And all of a sudden, you'll lose your passion for the things of God while you pursue the other things. 
We live in an entertainment-based culture, don't we? If you want to do it, you can do it. Go fun. Go, go, fun. go have your fun. It's available. Um, if you don't have resources, let me just say this. In today's credit-based society, you know, you hear me talk about it. When you talk about the dangers of wealth, this right here is a positive and a negative, isn't it? I mean, if you don't have it, you can get it. This is where the contentment and the covetousness clash, isn't it? Uh, uh, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, if you wanted a new living room suit, what did you do? Right? You saved for it. Right? Are you newly married or whatever? You hoped that you had a good wedding shower. <laughs> right? I remember Sherry and I first got married. Our, our, our chair was a, a, a wicker, one of those, wick, those wicker things that like a bowl-shaped that was our chair right there. And, 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 of course, that's not that long ago. But looking back 50 years or so, that's what people did. If they wanted something, if they, 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 they believed for it, they saved for it. Today, if you want it, and I go over to your house, and you're established, and you've been faithful, and God's blessed you, and you've held resources in your hand, and you've proven that you can handle them, and I'm there, and I start lusting for the car, the kind of car you drive, or the type of furniture you have, or the house. I can go home, and I can sell my soul, and I can have the similar furniture overnight, right? At 26.9% interest, right? And then that $1,700, there is a danger associated with wealth. $1,700 living room suit, when I pay it off, it costs me $3,400, right? There's a lot of, and so then that's where the passage picks up, where then the the, the uh, borrower becomes servant to the lender, correct? So there's a lot. And then what does that do? That puts pressure on you, and then you get frustrated. And it was cool when you first came home, and that leather furniture smelled so good. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm right there with these saints of God and, that have been in the kingdom for so long. And I got my, but you know what? After a while, that smell starts to wear away, right? And then you're still paying on it. And paying on it, and pay. I remember years ago, Sherry and I, Sherry made the mistake before we got married. She called to ask, but I didn't know anything because I was just sixteen, uh, sixteen or seventeen. And she bought waterless cookware when she was in college. Anybody remember waterless cookware? Y'all remember that, don't you? They got her when they boiled an egg without water, and she called. She had gone to that free meal when she was a senior at UCA. I think her a junior at UCA, and we were dating, and we were anticipating getting married, and she called, and this is going to be awesome, and you can boil eggs. You know, it doesn't take much to put water in a pan that you can get <laughs> at Dollar General for 50 cents, but we got that $1,000 waterless cookware that took us like 12 years to pay that off. By the time we got it paid off, we lost everything in the fire. So that's how quest part of the lesson. That's how quickly wealth when you, set, when, when you make poor decisions, and then you can put pressure on you. You know, it seems good at the beginning, but it's not good at the end, correct? That's kind of, to a degree, what Jesus is teaching in here. So what, the, the lie that well satisfies, that I can find joy because I can have more. He asked number three, what are some worries of life that choke out God's Word? Um, Matthew chapter number six, verses 25, 38, 31, and 34. This is where Jesus talked about, don't worry about what you shall eat. What you shall drink, what you shall wear, or even your housing. What is that called? What's this called? It's called basic what? necessities, right? 
Is that right? Isn't that basic necessities? Now, I like this. I like what the author put. Let's read this. For most people in the first century, food, drink, and clothing were much more matters of life and death than they are for many today. You all agree with that? I think that's kind of fair. So if Jesus told people back then not to worry about these things, how much more should we not succumb to the worries of life? You know, worry related to financial is a stress that will penetrate deeply into your mental anguish, but also your physical. How many of you have ever unfortunately got caught in that trap where mental anguish or worry over financial matters affected your physical health? Right? Am I being honest here today, Brother Larry? Yes. Yep. And and that's a great point to bring up here, despite my terrible handwriting here on contentment. Right here. This is this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a work of the Holy Spirit that we have to, I believe, pray and ask the Lord to agitate in our lives. Because if you're not careful, wealth can agitate a desire in you to continue to go and to continue to gain. and to get. Remember the parable. One of the parables that Jesus talked about was the man that said, you know, it, it came to us in this context. I think it was part of the lesson. I'm not for sure. But it was the, 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 the parable where um, a, a man came to Jesus and said, man, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, man, you, I'm not your arbiter, you know, over those financial matters. And then he took the moment to teach a parable. And he said there was a, a wealthy man, a farmer, who had done really well. And he, he had had a great harvest. And when he, when he had had a great harvest, you know what he did? He said, man, i got to reinvest this. <laughs> and he said, so i got to build a bigger barn because we've got so much harvest, we need a bigger barn. For me, that meant like a bigger tractor. i got to have a bigger tractor now. <laughs> us cow folk in here, we kind of know that language. Never mind, it's for just about six of us in here that understand what I'm talking about. And so he, so he, so he had to build. Jesus, remember this. Now think about this for a moment. He's speaking a language that the people understand, right? Because they're agricultural. Everything that they do relates to agriculture. And so he's using this to say, and so this brother builds this big barn, and then he says, i got to fill that barn. And he gets caught up in this cycle, and then it heaps and heaps and heaps, and then it says, and then God said, Thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And then here's the addendum to that. He said this, and then where shall be all those things? What shall all be that that he accumulated over and over? That's a warning to us, isn't it? Resources, the financial resources, I think I put, um, I might get ahead here just a little bit. Let's jump ahead just a, a, a minute real quickly to number 11 for just a minute. It says, what should we guard ourselves against in Luke 12 and 15? That's the context, covetousness. And then later, here's the point. It says, what is the point of the parable of the rich fool? So that's really where I was at. I knew it was part of the lesson. I just didn't know if I'd get to it, but there it is. I wrote it this way. Life is uncertain. Correct. And eternity looms. Eternity looms. The, the old adage among us preachers is no one's promised tomorrow, right? Nobody is. All wealth gained will quickly pass to another, right? It will. 
Be rich toward God. Be rich toward God. That's the wealth that you can bring into eternity. Think about for just a moment the Egyptians. Anybody ever saw the Egyptian pharaohs and, and just did a little study on that? And they had a mindset that the pharaohs in the afterlife would be able to carry their wealth and their resources with them. Thus, they buried all of that gold and wealth and resources in their tombs with them in the anticipation. How many of you know 2,000 years later, we're digging those same treasures out of the earth that they hid them in, and that person has long since passed into eternity without God. And so Jesus is teaching the listeners of his day to guard their hearts, guard themselves against the dangers of wealth. Wealth is good. It's a necessary tool, resources, financial, money, all those things. But the enemy, how many believe that tonight? The enemy can use that to gain a stronghold. The number one cause for marital breakup in America today is not adultery, not pornography, it's financial issues. And the accompaniment, argument, and fighting when husbands and wives cannot get an agreement related to financially. It behooves us as believers. I, I appreciate this author taking us into this study tonight. Are you all okay with that? Anybody want to comment? I'm not going to take it into great overtime here tonight. At 7.50, I'll, I'll share a couple more things. But y'all are awful quiet. They were quiet during worship, weren't they, Shane? They're still quiet. Anybody? You know what? It was Jill's good cooking tonight, Jill. That was very good, by the way. It's very good. And I love that bread pudding. I didn't need to eat it, but I ate it. Jace, what you got? Sorry. What you got? You go ahead. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he says that. Yeah. You might want to sit over here. Yes. Why don't you stand up and turn around so everybody can hear you? I'm afraid they can't hear you. Teaching, teaching at the other side one time and uh, teaching on this subject. And a lot of times you just get basic redneck theology out there when it's right. And so I was teaching on this, and the guy said, that's why you never see a U-Haul behind a herd. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Now, one of the, the one thing that you can take with you is inheritance. And this right here, a heritage, not inheritance, but a heritage. And the Bible does teach us that it is the responsibility of the parent to lay up for the children, right? All of us, the Bible says a good man, a good man. So that's for good men and women. It should be in the heart of all of us to adequately manage our resources well to break the curse of poverty off of our families, the curse of poverty mindset. I mean, you know, that becomes a stumbling block in the minds of some. And you know what? Being wealthy doesn't mean you're greedy. I'm going to be honest. I've been, in the, I've been all over this board. I've been, in, I've been at different levels financially in my own personal life, in the church. I've learned. I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul in this. I can, I can be down here. I can identify with the poorest of the poor. 
And then I can also identify with wealthy people and, and function and all that. So let me say this real quickly. Some of the greediest people that I've ever seen have been some of the poorest people that I have ever seen. And some of the most generous people that I have ever seen are people that have all kinds of resources, and they are not a reservoir. Come on, they're a conduit. They are letting it pass through their hands, and they're being a blessing. And I think that's why the writer of Proverbs says, there's he that withholds and has nothing, and there are he that scatters abroad, and he's got an abundance. That's a principle that we'll pick up a little bit later that was previously on the board before I erased it. So tonight, there is a danger associated with wealth. I'd like to read a few things in closing. Can I do that real quickly? I, I have a little book that I got years ago. It's called God's Wisdom for Daily Living, and it's taken the Proverbs of Solomon, and it's taken it just really quickly, and it's kind of putting it into a, uh, just a, a spiritual context, uh, a spiritual context, meaning it's aligning them in similar thought. And uh, I, I want to just kind of read just real quickly a, a few of these in closing the crown of the wise is the richest. And then he picks up here real quickly. Wealth provides advantages, but wealth may lead to trouble. So let's close with that just real quickly, can we? This is Solomon. Now, the only thing that to not let this throw you off is this is from the New King James Version. Okay, I know that's kind of, you know, different for y'all there too. Real quickly. So let's say wealth can provide the advantage, but then it also can lead to trouble. He who is greedy for gain troubles its own house. He who hates bribes will live. The poor man uses entreaties, but the rich man answers roughly. The rich rules over the poor, so it can lead to dominance. And the borrow and then arrogance. I used to watch Shark Tank a little bit, Sherry and I did, until I just got so tired of their arrogance that, that their wealth had made them so arrogant that they felt like they could speak that way to people. And, and I just said, I, I, I couldn't do that any longer. Pride. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Let's go just a little further. It's transitory, it says. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. How many know wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow? Just like that. Riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. You cannot buy. Come on, righteousness before God, can you? It was purchased by the high... And by the greatest, right, the blood of Jesus Christ, you can't purchase it with your wealth. But righteousness delivers from death. He who trusts in his riches shall fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. I love this one. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Now you think about that. And I'm going to close with just a couple more of these Proverbs. But I love that one right there. Better is a little with the fear and the blessing of God than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. That means you'd be better. When I was a kid, we'd call, if we called a kind of a poor car, we, uh, you know, a poor man's car like a pinto. Anybody remember a pinto? Right? Better to have a pinto taped together with duct tape. I'll go back to seven than ride in a Cadillac and not have the blessing of God. I'd rather have the blessing of God holding my pinto wheels on my car Knowing I was in the will of God than to be riding in a Lexus. And if you got a Lexus, God bless you. I'm just using that in prayer example. <laughs> Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil of the proud. Right? By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor. 
A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor than silver and gold. Knowledge is better than silver. Knowledge is better than choice gold. Understanding is better than silver. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And on and on Solomon goes, including warning us about uh, being pledged for someone else's debt and different things of that manner. But the key is tonight for us to understand wealth it can be the blessing of God upon your life, but it can also lead you astray if you don't learn to manage it. But I want to encourage you as we go into this lesson tonight, or, or this, the next four weeks, don't look at these lessons without applying the full measure of your spirituality to it. Right? A spiritual person handles their resources well. Come on, don't they? A spiritual person is a good steward of what God's committed to their life. All of us have made mistakes. Every one of us. We have been in error. I thought Brother Larry appreciated what he said. He's made the mistake. I've made mistakes. There are things I could put up there on the screen that I kind of want to tiptoe out of here. And, it, you know, knowing the decisions that I made, poor choices that I made. But I found God to be gracious. And if my heart was pliable and I was willing to, the thing I had to do, I want to just tell you, I had to go back and educate myself. I had to learn to handle money correctly, right? I had to learn to, to, to trust God and to believe God and to then to have good stewardship in my life. And, and I thank God for it, and I hope that you have, and that's part of your journey as a believer, correct? Anybody want to add to or take away from before we close in prayer tonight? Thank you all for being here tonight. It's going to be fun next two or three weeks, isn't it? Right? It's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Father, I love you. And God, I want to pray for our church family. And I made this opening remark, and I want to confess it to this church family once again. I said I'm going to speak to some of you that know a lot about this subject. Some of you know a little bit about it, and some of you don't know nothing about it. And that's the reality. But you know what? There's no shame in that. The shame is remaining in that condition. God, help each one of us to learn to handle the resources that you commit to us. Father, we pray, God, that each one of us will be a faithful steward over those resources. Help us to guard our heart from the deceitfulness of riches. Right? Church family, we pray that tonight. Help us to guard. God, we want your blessing in our lives. And Father, whatever level of blessing that is, you determine that. But God, let us be faithful with whatever resources that you put in our lives. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. We'll look forward to talking about this subject matter uh, more over the next two or three weeks. Hey, my sheet, my sheet, I'm sorry. Hey, don't forget, if you're going to make a dish, bring a dish for our uh, memorial service. We've got the sheet right there on the, on the front, and uh, you can come up there. Or, or Jace, if you don't care, Jace can take it to the back. Jace is going to take it to the foyer because you're already leaving on me, and he's going to run you, run you down. If you plan to help us, go ahead and put that on the list if you would. Thank you. <laughs>